Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. A recent trip to Guatemala. Let me pray for us. Father, you are the God of the universe. You are the God of the nations. And you've called us to serve you and to follow you. And Lord, I pray you give us the strength to do just that. I pray as we open the truth of your word today, Father, that you would speak to us clearly, that we would understand our calling, that we would understand our purpose, Lord. Through the truth of your word, Lord, I just pray that you would speak clearly to us. You would transform us more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I read an article this week that was interesting. It it intrigued me. And I want to read just a portion of it to you to begin this morning. It's the story of a man who had gone to the beach with his family. And they'd driven through the day as many of us would do. And they got down there late in the evening. And because it was so late, the family had been driving all day. The wife and the children went on to bed. But he said he was still kind of wound up from the drive and he wanted to kind of get out. So he went walking on the beach and here's what he said. Enveloped by the sound and texture of the ocean, I walked silently for a long time. Away to the west, the boardwalk shone brightly full of people the size of mites. Strolling past shops full of t-shirts and trinkets. Past pizza, french fries, and video games. Why had the masses chosen neon signs over a charcoal sky? Why did they choose ice cream over the surf's sensory explosion? Why do thousands wear out the boards while so few patrol the beach? Let the evening walk on the stormy beach serve as a metaphor. The shops and boardwalk represent daily life, so safe and so ordinary. The roaring surf and the majesty of the ocean represent God's awesome grandeur. People typically choose the boardwalk over the beach because we prefer what is familiar and tame to what is strange and powerful. We like to be in control. We shy away from great forces that compel all. We prefer the distractions of pizza and video games to the contemplation of our small role in the vast cosmos. We pose questions like, do I want fries or onion rings with my burger? God poses questions like, what is your place in this world? It's an interesting perspective, isn't it? And I started pondering and and thinking and wondering this week about how often we shy away from the things of the Lord in favor of the comfortable and the easy. Now there's nothing wrong with comfort. There's nothing wrong with taking it easy sometimes. But I believe with all my heart that sometimes the Lord calls us to step outside of our comfort zone, outside of the ordinary, outside of the easy, and sometimes He calls us to risk our lives for the sake of the gospel. You see, God's got a grand vision for this world. 
And so I want to think this morning beyond the ordinary. I want to think beyond the convenient. I want to think beyond the comfortable. I want to think beyond the easy. And I want to think about God's grand vision of redeeming all of the earth unto himself. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open to Psalm 96. Psalm chapter 96. Now, as you're flipping to the book of Psalms, to Psalm 96, let me give you just a little bit of background. This psalm is based on 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and you don't have to look there, but let me kind of give you the story of what had taken place at that point in the Old Testament. David had taken over the throne from King Saul. King Saul had passed away. David had been anointed as the king over all of Israel. And David had already begun to fight battles and wage warfare against the ungodly nations that surrounded them. And so David at this point is taken back over the city of Jerusalem, which if you're familiar at all with Old Testament history, that's a very big deal. And after he had taken over the city of Jerusalem, he brings the Ark of the Covenant back for the people to see and to worship. And so there's this great moment of excitement for the children of Israel. There's this great moment of joy. And First Chronicles chapter 16 kind of lays out this picture of the celebration and the joy. But it explains to the Israelites their calling to go beyond just that moment. There's more out there. There's more that the Lord would call us to do. And so Psalm 96 picks up on this idea. One scholar said it like this. It's a grand vision of all the earth turning from idols to the one living and true God. So we're going to read about the Lord's vision for reaching the world today in Psalm chapter 96. We're going to study the first six verses. The word of the psalmist. I think we have them for you on the screen. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name, proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord has made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Now there's some truths in these first six verses that I want you to understand. There's a picture, really, if we delve into this and understand it, of the Lord's heart. Of his vision, of his desire. And so the first truth I want you to see, the first thing I want you to understand this morning, number one, is this. God's reach is global. God's reach is global. We don't serve a small, puny, weak God. That's very easy for us if we're not careful to build this neatly constructed box that we like and put God in it. And we like to think about God constrained in this little box. And when we need him and we expect him to do something, we take him out. (laughs) And when we're finished and it's no longer convenient, we put him back in. But the Bible, if we study, is filled with references of the glory of the Lord. Of His power. Of His majesty. Of His greatness. 
So if you were to spend some time reading through the Old Testament, for example, you would encounter text after text after text that speaks about the Lord and speaks about his calling and helps us see very clearly that he's not a God in a little bitty box that we want to control. He's the creator of the universe and he's the God of the nations. So for example, he came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Some of you will know the story. And he places upon the heart of Abraham a very clear calling and he says this in Genesis chapter 12 verse 3. I, this is the Lord, will bless those who bless you. I will curse whoever curses you, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. I'm the God of the nations, he says. I'm the God of all the earth. Aren't you excited and aren't you thankful that it doesn't just say only the people in the grange will be blessed because of you? Aren't you thankful it doesn't just say only the people in America will be blessed? Aren't you thankful it doesn't just say only the people in North America? Aren't you thankful it doesn't just say people that look like me and speak my language will be blessed? The Lord says, Abraham, you go and you follow me and I will lead you and I will bless you and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Exodus 9, 16. The Lord speaking to Moses and to the children of Israel. Listen to what he says. I have raised you up for this very purpose. That I might show you my power and that my might might be proclaimed in all the earth. First Chronicles 16.24 Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the people. Psalm 22.27 and 28 All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Psalm 67, verses 3 and 4. May the people praise you. May all the people praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the people with equity and guide the nations of the earth. On and on and on the list goes. But here's the problem we have. Because we lock ourselves into our little world and our little schedule and our little routine, we fail to see God as the God of the nations. But I want to promise you something. He's not only at work in your heart, but he's at work all over the world right now as we speak. We had the opportunity in Guatemala. We got back just a few weeks ago to do work in the village. And you saw the video of what we did and some of the things we accomplished. But it was the last day before we left. And we were heading back to Guatemala City. We always go the day before to spend the night because our plane leaves the next morning. So we were in Guatemala City. And we were just a few blocks from the seminary. Gary Udy, the guy that was with us that kind of led the trip, said, I need to go to the seminary. There's some people I got to see there. And I knew the seminary. I've been to the seminary. I've taught in the seminary. And I said, I'd like to go with you. So Gary and I set out in Guatemala City. We walked three or four blocks. It wasn't far at all. And we get into the seminary and we go into the main lobby. And I walk into the lobby and standing in the lobby is a tall, skinny, light-colored skinned guy. And you don't see that very often in Guatemala. And I kind of looked at him. And he looked at me, and the first words he said to me were, what are you doing here? And so I told him what we were doing there. And it turns out he was a missionary kid, and he had grown up in Guatemala, and his dad was a missionary for many years, and he had gone back on a regular basis to minister, and he just so happened to be down there that week for a wedding, and we just so happened to cross paths in that seminary lobby. And as we got into our conversation, he began to talk about what he had done. Now, let me give you a little bit of background before I tell you what he did. 
For many months, we had been praying about that village and how we could sustain that village and how we could help that village. I've kind of got a passion with mission work. I don't want to be the church that goes one time and feels good about what we've done and takes a lot of pictures and comes back and congratulates each other and never goes again. I want to be the church that builds a partnership and continues to go back year after year to invest in those people. And one of the things that area needs is clean water. Guatemala, especially in the rural areas, they have rivers and there's a very large river nearby, but they wash in the river, they bathe in the river, they do other things in the river and it's not clean. We were standing one day behind the house we were working on at a little watering hole, just kind of taking a break, and we saw a lady washing clothes in the river right behind our house. About an hour later, I was at that same washing hole looking at the same little area. There was a little girl down there brushing her teeth, drinking the water. So all these kids have bacteria, they have viruses, they have parasites in their bodies. So they need clean water. So we've talked about a way to get them water into that area. We've talked about the idea of maybe even trying to drill a well, but it's a difficult place to get to. The terrain is very difficult to drive. And so we just thought, you know, we're not sure how that's going to play out. So back to the story of the seminary in Guatemala. I'm talking to this guy who's from Texas. Turns out after his dad moved back home, they moved to Texas. He grew up and became a, you want to guess, well driller. So I got him to tell me the story. He drills wells. He's got some oil refineries out there. He's done really well for himself. He's got some wells that he's dug. And I said, well, you know, we've kind of thought about drilling a well. And I told him the area. He said, I know exactly the area you're talking about. He said, I partner with a company here in Guatemala. And we drill wells in rural areas like that all the time. Here's the guy's number you need to call to drill a well. That's what he told me. Now, don't tell me for one moment that was an accident. Don't tell me that was happenstance, right? That was the hand of the Lord. You know why I know that? Because he's got a global reach. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for this church. He's got a plan for my family. He's got a plan for that village in Guatemala. And he had a plan that on that day, that man from Texas would be in that seminary lobby. And on that day, I would be in that seminary lobby. And we would just so happen to bump into each other. And this guy would be able to answer the prayer that we've been praying for many months. See, we can't put God in a box because he's so much bigger than that. And when we think we've got it figured out, we ought to step back and take a look at who God really is. Because he's at work not only in your heart, but in the hearts of people all over the world. Now, as we continue to walk through verse 2, listen to what the Lord says in verse 96. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glories among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Here's the second truth. Not only does he have a global reach, but number two, we must, as followers of Jesus Christ, declare his glory to all people. As followers of Jesus Christ, our calling is to declare his glory and his salvation to all people everywhere. Now, we're really good in the local church of worshiping on Sunday morning. We do a phenomenal job. Our music team is incredible. They spend great amounts of time in prayer. They spend great amounts of time in preparation. And and they come and they lead us every Sunday morning. And it's so uplifting to me personally. I love our worship. But here's the problem for so many believers. Their time of worship is limited to the the corporate worship on Sunday mornings. Now, we should be doing that. That's huge. And it's biblical. But if the only time you ever worship is on Sunday morning, you're missing a large portion of your life. 
The Lord says you ought to be worshiping at all times. It's not just limited to what we do on Sunday mornings. It's not, you know, watch this now. It's not just about praising the Lord together to each other. It's about praising the Lord and declaring his glory outside of the walls of the church. This text doesn't tell us that we need to declare his glory only within the walls of the local church. That's not what it says. This doesn't say we need to declare his glory just to the people in our area. It says we need to declare his glory among the nations. Now here's what some of us do. How's that possible, right? Because this is a big world we live in. How are we really supposed to declare his glory to all the nations? Well, let me just kind of give you a couple ideas. Number one, let's remember, we shouldn't put God in a box. He's way bigger than we are. He's the God of the universe. But here's the second thing I think we need to understand. We're not going to reach the world all in one day. We're going to do it one step at a time. One person sharing with another person. So I think as we kind of think through the process and we think about the Acts 1-8 model, we ought to think first and begin here in LaGrange. How can we reach the people of LaGrange for Jesus Christ? Now the church ministers every day. That's what we do. We're always talking to people. We're always helping people. We're always visiting people that are in need. That's kind of what we do. We minister locally and we try to reach people locally. But we need the body of Christ to plug in and to be engaged in that process. Now, I've been talking for several months now about missional living. And missional living, very simply, is kind of having the mindset of a missionary every moment of every day. So you walk into work tomorrow morning, you're thinking to yourself, how can I reach my workplace for Christ? How can I share the love of Jesus with my coworker? How can I show kindness to that person that needs kindness right now? How can I get into a spiritual conversation over lunch with this friend that I know needs to hear something about Christ. Now, I'm not asking you to stand up on the break table with the Bible and ask all your coworkers to open to the book of Revelations and preach a sermon on chapter 8. You can if you want to, but I'm not calling you to do that. The Lord might be, but I'm not calling you to do that. What I am calling you to do is understand what the Lord has said to us in His Word. We're to declare His glory, right? We're to declare His salvation. That may mean you get on an airplane and fly around the world. It may mean you walk across the street and witness to your neighbor. So we've given you the opportunity. I've been talking about this for several months now. Mission LaGrange, July the 6th through the 12th. We've already had a preliminary meeting with a lot of people that have been praying about this. Some of you were in that meeting. We're going to have another one in a couple of weeks, May the 18th at 5 o'clock in the fellowship hall. If you're interested in Mission LaGrange, that's the night you ought to show up because we've taken all the ideas that we've compiled from our body We've whittled them down. We've fought through them. We've got some major areas of emphasis now. We need people now to begin to volunteer to work in those areas. Some of you say, I want to prayer walk my neighborhood. You can do that. Some of you say, I want to lead a backyard Bible club. You can do that. Some of you say, I want to be intentional about going to the neighborhood and passing out tracts and flyers. You can do that. We've got all these opportunities for you to be involved that week, July 6th through the 12th. You be praying about that. But we can't just stop here, can we? It's not enough. Verse 3 doesn't say to declare his glory only in LaGrange. (laughs) It says we need to declare his glory among the nations. So we step outside of LaGrange. We step outside of this area. We build partnerships in Atlanta, which we're trying to do right now. Some of you heard Winston, the missionary from Atlanta, several months ago talking about his neighborhood, the Bluff. It's one of the worst neighborhoods in Atlanta. It's the heroin capital of the southeast. We're going to go into that neighborhood and begin to minister. We've got a time set up the 24th of May, I believe, we're going to go. You can put that on your calendar, those that are interested. We just found out this week. We're going to go into the neighborhood. We're going to prayer walk that neighborhood. We're going to see what's out there. We're going to get Winston to kind of cast a vision again for us. Winston has bought a building with his own money. It's a church building. It doesn't even have a roof. Seriously, it's four walls. 
No roof. Grass growing up on the inside. But he's got a vision for it. He calls it the dream center. He's got a vision to reach that community for Christ one person at a time. We want to help him do that. That's our calling. We're going to go to Alaska. Many of you are going to go to Alaska here in a few months. You've been praying about that and thinking about it. And there's a great need there in the Anchorage area. And we're going to send people there to witness for Christ. But it can't stop there. Can it? it can't just be LaGrange. It can't just be regional. It can't just be North America. It's got to be the ends of the earth. That's what the scripture tells us. We can't just put God in a box. We can't just say, Lord, this is good enough. We're not going to do it anymore. We've got to continue to go. We've got to continue to push. We've got to continue to sin. And so we've already sent teams to Guatemala. We'll do that again. We've already sent teams to Zambia. We'll do that again. We've got a trip lined up from Brazil. Many of you will be going to that this summer. We've got a trip lined up to Romania. Some of you will be going to that this summer. On and on the list goes. But I I love what the psalmist says in verse 1. I love the idea here of what he says in verse 1. Because he tells us that we should sing to the Lord a new song. Right? There's this idea of freshness in who the Lord is. There's this idea of continuing to do new things, continue to walk down new paths. Lord, what's your will? We don't want to be stale. We don't want to rest on the accomplishments of the past, Lord. We want to continue to move forward. We want to sing a new song. We want to declare your glory to people that have never heard. We want to walk across the street. We want to fly around the world. We want to go to Alaska. We want to go to Romania, Lord. We want to do your will. We want to be fresh and new and excited about declaring who you are to all peoples of the earth. So one of the things we do on a regular basis as a staff, one of the things I do constantly is just pray that the Lord would guide us in our missions endeavors. Lord, what do you want us to do next? What's the new song for us? Many of you know, but I want to tell you in because I want you to pray for me and our team this week. We're leaving this afternoon to fly to Asia. Some of you already know that. We'll be gone for the week. We've got a missionary contact over there that we've been talking with for about a year and praying with him. And he's in an unreached area. Now, just in case you don't understand what that means, that means he's in an area of millions of people that don't know Christ. Millions of people, some of which that have never heard the name Jesus. And I want to give you just a couple of quick facts. I don't want to bore you with facts, but statistics sometimes kind of help us understand. The International Mission Board has divided the world up in what they call the 1040 window. So if you can imagine Asia and North Africa, 10 degrees north latitude above the equator. I'm I'm getting kind of deep in geography, right? Stay with me. 10 degrees north of the equator, so that's just a little bit north of the middle of the world, up a little bit right from there, up to 40 degrees north latitude. Now that covers Europe, it covers North Asia, the Middle East, and most of Asia. North Africa, I said North Asia. It covers Europe, North Africa, the Middle East, and most of Asia. That's the 1040 window. Now let me give you some stats about the 1040 window. Within the 1040 window... It includes the majority of the world's Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. In the 1040 window, there's an estimated 4.65 billion people. There are over 8,000 distinct people groups, people that speak different languages, have, have different cultures, have different backgrounds. And the vast majority of the 1040 window is unreached. Most of these people don't know Christ. The International Mission Board puts out a map. It's on our mission wall today. You ought to go see it if you haven't already. You can kind of simply understand the map by knowing this. Green is good. Red is bad. We'll just keep it simple, okay? Red means there's no Christianity. You ought to notice North Africa, the Middle East, and parts of Asia covered in red. You say, what can we do about that? Well, we can go. (laughs) 
We can partner with people. We can pray. We can say, you know what, Lord, I don't know exactly what you're going to do over there. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen, but you've opened up this opportunity for us. You've told us in the scripture we need to declare your glory among the nations. So you know what, I'm going to go. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to seek you, Lord, and I'm going to set aside comfort. And I'm going to set aside what's easy. And I'm going to set aside what makes me feel good for the sake of the gospel, right? For the sake of Christ, Lord, I'm doing this. I'm going for you because I love you enough that I want to follow your word. And your word tells me I'm to declare your glory to the nations. So that's what I'm going to do. I think the Lord wants to use us in mighty and powerful ways. You say, now hold on just a second, Adam. You say, there are, there are all kind of people in Troop County that don't know Jesus. You're exactly right. And we're going to continue to minister to those people. I promise you, we're going to continue to reach out to those people. We're going to continue to share Christ with those people. But here's something you need to understand. Those people in Troop County have access to food. They have access to clean water. There are people in our area, and I just listen to what I'm about to say to you. There are people in our area that have said no to Christ thousands of times in their lives, and yet there are hundreds of millions of people all around the world that have never had the chance to say yes even once. That ought to keep us awake at night. That ought to spur us to action. That ought to cause us to step outside of our comfort zone and say, Lord, I don't know what I can do. I'm one person, but I'm willing to try. I'm willing to go. You say, why why is it worth that? Well, look at verses 4 through 6. Christ tells us, for great is the Lord. Why do we go? Why do we share? Why do we risk all? For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Number three, we go because of the glory of the Lord. That's why we go. You know, I think sometimes we miss the power of the Lord in our lives. I think we've kind of gotten into this point in society. There's this movement that God is kind of this cool friend of ours in heaven. And we kind of call on him when we need him, right? We kind of hang out with him. Let me just be clear. The Lord loves us. And the Lord wants a relationship with us. But one scholar said it better than I can say it, so I want to read it to you. I want you to listen to all of his words. Don't throw a shoe at me when I get through the first sentence, okay? Let's listen to all of it. God isn't your good buddy in the sky. He is altogether separate from you. You shrink into nothingness in comparison with him. What is your strength compared to the one who spoke heaven into existence? What is your puny existence of a few short years compared to the one who is eternal? What are your attempts at holy living compared with his infinite purity? You see, God is greater than any of us can ever imagine. And he calls on us to go because of his glory, because of his power, because of his grandeur. Now, I'm very passionate about teaching that to my children. I talk about it on a regular basis. So, Amy and I have conversations pretty regularly about how do we instill this in our kids' hearts and how do we train them and how do we mold them and how do we shape them. We've had a passion for a number of years to have our kids involved in mission work. I just feel like that's a great way for them to see it. 
Dads, don't ever be the dad that says to your kids, you ought to share Christ to the world and then you never go do it yourself, right? I'm I'm taking off my pastor hat for a second, putting on my dad hat. I'm not going to be the dad that stands up and talks about going to the nations and then I never go. And so Amy and I have just been praying and thinking and we kind of made the decision and I want you to covet in prayer with me about this and just kind of help me rejoice in what the Lord's going to do. But Amy and I are going to take our entire family this fall to Zambia. All of them. And we're going to live at the orphanage for a month. Now I've run that by the deacons. They've given me their permission. I did that before I told you because I didn't want them to get mad at me. And praise the Lord, they helped me think through that and were honest with me about what that ought to look like. And so we're going to take our kids and live at that orphanage for a month. We're going to partner. Our team's going to come in mid-October. We'll already be there for a couple of weeks. We'll finish out with our team and come home. As you think through this, and, and, and again, as I kind of live in the flesh, sometimes I try not to, but sometimes I'm laying in bed at night and I think thoughts like this. What about the safety? What about the flight? What about the sickness and the disease? And on and on the list goes. But here's the truth. The Lord continues to hammer in my heart. He loves my children way more than I do. And boy, he's got a better plan for them than I ever could. And I think at some point we just have to step outside of our comfort zone. And we say, Lord, I don't really understand why. I don't know how. I'm not sure what you're going to do, but I trust you. And I love you enough to demonstrate my faith in you. And now you just work, Father. You do whatever you got to do. See, here's the most difficult part about this text of Scripture in Psalm 96. The nations are only going to hear if somebody goes and tells them. If not us, who? If not now, when? See, the Lord calls us to step outside of our comfort zone. And we hear all these numbers and we hear all these stats and we think there are two billion people worldwide that don't know Christ. And if we're not careful, those become numbers. But I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Those two billion people that don't know Christ represent a mom and a dad and a brother and a sister and a daughter and a son. And if one of those two billion were your children, you would risk everything to save them. Well, nobody's risking anything to save some of these people. I think it's time we do something about it. You know, one day, every tongue is going to bow and every knee is going to confess that he is Lord because when we go, when we share, when we make Christ known to the nations, they will worship him and he will receive glory. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your calling. We're thankful for the words of Scripture. We're humbled by the fact, Lord, that you call us to be a part of your plan to redeem the world back to yourself, Father. And it's hard sometimes, and it's too comfortable where we are, and it's too easy, Lord, so rattle our cages a little bit. Help us to see something different, Lord. Help us to have a new paradigm, a new understanding of what the world looks like. You give us the courage and the strength to be the men and women of God you called us to be. And you do a mighty work in our hearts for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the opportunity to come and pray at the altar for a minute if you want to do that. You can repent of your sins and accept Christ. You can join the church. This is your time now to respond. as we. Thank you for joining today's sermon. 
We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.